God builds his church by speaking to people individually and and um, certainly he wants to draw us together and he wants to create community and he wants to create community that's intentional and focused and um, the same thing I think has been happening I think it's been happening in Fort Collins. I think it's been. Ha- I know it's been happening in Loveland, where there's just this sense of I think there's something that that God wants to create here. There's so there's a there's something He wants to fill. There's something He wants to bring to pass. And and I I think that Jesus wants to create something that even has a synergy up and down the front range. And um, and I even sense that you guys led us in worship. That's very encouraging. Appreciate Jeremy's song. You know, I I have his album, and um, I haven't listened to it in a while. And boy, that singing that song just made me think. I have got to just man, that is such a good album. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, because I've been a little bit of a catalyst up in Loveland. Um, uh, I volunteer to share some thoughts here also because I, though I'm obviously not single and I'm not young and not uh, uh, exactly the general demographic represented here, I do want you guys to know that I have an incredible heart um, for the world that God can create in your midst. And uh, I very, very much want to augment that. I want to... I want to um, I want to support that. And so um, I'm going to share with you a couple, th- just a few thoughts this morning. And as a matter of fact, I was going to get out my, uh, I just get out my little clock here. So what happens to, uh, what happened to me last week doesn't happen to you um, this week. And that's sort of my, the story I'm going to start with. Um, but, uh, I, uh, let's see here. Let me start this. Um, okay, last time. Two Saturdays ago, I was in China. And, um, uh, on Saturday night in uh, the Swings Home in Wuxi, China. A bunch of people gather, and it's mostly people from Jiangnan University or associated with Jiangnan University. A lot of students, uh, half of them are Chinese passport holders, and uh, not, a, not a lot of them don't speak much English. And uh, so there's about 40 people there, and it's just really fun. It happens every Saturday. Um, and uh, Craig shared some really encouraging things, and I got to share about a five-minute blurb. And the topic was our separation from God. And and when I got done sharing that, I was struck by how many people came up to me afterwards and asked me questions. It's like, whoa, all these people are, are connecting with the fact that this is actually relevant and significant and important if it's true. And I thought, that's really different. I don't ever experience that. Uh, people always run up to me and ask, well, you know, what kind of Bible do you use? Or um, are you going to the game tomorrow? Or... Um, so I, I stayed awake that night, and I, I thought it was visual, because it's hard to communicate, and I thought it was visual that I wanted to share the next week. And so uh, um, the week went by, and Saturday afternoon, the next Saturday, I, I sat up in my room because I was sick, I sat on my bed, and put together a PowerPoint that was going to be my visual presentation, which is so good, visual stuff, because language is hard, um, to communicate some things I thought would be really helpful to them. And um, uh, what I thought of is I thought of, oops, I thought of this, this, uh, this graphic right here. Um, and 
that's as good as I could figure out how to make it. But what it is is it's it's dark both sides and it grades into a middle where it's light and in the middle is kind of this white line. And I came up with a PowerPoint that I thought would really communicate things really well and my turn to came, came to share the Saturday that was just last week. But stuff came up and I didn't get to share it. So um, I thought, well, you know what? I think there's things that can actually relate to this world. So I'm going to show you that PowerPoint and then stick some stuff on the end of it. Um, and if you go, that just all seems dumb. Well, it wasn't for you anyway. I'm just trying to use an old teaching. Okay. Um, but, um, but I think there's stuff here. And, and there was also a group of American students there. There's about six or seven uh, American young people or students from Jim Weeblehouse's church in Lincoln that are there for a year learning Chinese language. And by the way, if you want to get paid to go to college and learn Chinese, you can go to China. You can go to Wuxi, China. They will pay you a stipend, give you a, a dorm room that's all your own, and pay your tuition, and there's a scholarship that covers all of that, and so far, everyone that's ever applied for that scholarship has gotten it. Um, so, uh, uh, And you can have a great time interacting with a bunch of Chinese and all kinds of stuff. So, anyway... Um, this is, and there are pieces that I really wanted the Americans to hear and the things I wanted the Chinese to hear. So here's my picture of the Christian life. This is what I think our life is. This is the life right here. And um, it really consists of two things in God's mind. One is that, that God wants us to learn and understand. And what this really means is that he wants us to seek him. This is God's plan for life. It says that we're all put on this earth so that we can seek him. And there's something inside us that tells us that God's there. And it was so interesting. I as I was explaining some of these things later to another student, which even though I didn't get to share this, they all, a bunch of them came up and asked me questions on what I shared a week ago. And one of them, I shared, you know, there's something inside us that wants to belong. And he said, you know what, I want to belong. I want to belong to God. And that's inside us, to seek God. But there's another part of it. It isn't just, just learning. There's also responding and obeying. You've got to take what you know and you've got to o- obey it. And when you do this, there's something that comes out of it. And it's what God calls faith. It's what he calls belief. That when we take what we learn and we actually step into it and we apply it and we do it, we are living a life of faith. And really that's what faith is. Um, so I would give a picture of myself. This is me. And uh, um, this is the story of my life. And we're going to go back to the beginning of my life. And and um, in the beginning of my life, I had sort of a religious upbringing, but I didn't have any personal faith at all. And, and as I moved through life, there was one thing that was true, though. I, I did um, have a desire to learn more about God. And... Um, Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I'm just supposed to squirrel around there for a while. But, but anyway, I moved around, and I began asking questions about God. I've really been seeking God, but I didn't really do much in the way of response. I was listening to a Christian radio, and I was just trying to find answers. And, and, um, and then I met a couple of Christians who were really living a different Christian life. And the example of their life was profound for me. And um, they brought me face-to-face with some things I feel like, felt like I really, really needed to make a decision on. And so something happened for me on September 11th, 1977. And what happened there was all the stuff that I had been learning met with a decision to respond and obey. And uh, I stood on the curb of Lincoln Way in front of uh, Maple Little Arch uh, Dormitory and I looked up at the sky and I told God, God, if you'll have me, I'll have you. 
And I was overwhelmed by the fact I needed to make a decision and that God even offered me the opportunity to make that decision. And I asked Christ in my life and all my theology was wrong and most of my understanding was wrong. But it was a relational decision I sensed God was giving me the opportunity to make and I made it. And so I brought a response. I brought obedience into the knowledge that I had and something happened to me. I became a Christian. And... And um, uh, some really profound things occurred, which in the Chinese world would be uh, um, just really new concepts. But to us, they're not. I, I became forgiven. And all the stuff, you know, um, uh, we sang a song about how our sins are crimson and red, but, but God made them as white as snow. And you just think of that. Think of all that. Like sometimes, especially when I was standing at some of you, and I had been in the church a long time, and I knew those people pretty well, and a lot of them pretty well. And it's a big church, a lot of people there. I just think of all the sins in front of me. All the adultery, abortions, lying, deception, theft. And I knew about some of it. I thought, wow, there's just a lot of sin here. And we've got to understand that though we sit in that, Jesus has made it as white as snow. And that's a very, very powerful thing. Um, and oops. Um, and I had a connection with God. And that was really true. Before, when I was a, was a guy with no smile... God was real, God was drawing me, but, but there was a separation, and that's what I talked about the week earlier, that there was not a connection. That's what it means to be spiritually dead, and until we're forgiven, God's Spirit can't come into us, but when God's Spirit comes into us, boom, there's a connection, and whoa, we're alive. And, and eternal life, and of course we could put so many things down that, down that side over there, um, but... Uh, the key thing is that those were all true, but what else was true was that when you look at where I'm at, I don't know very much yet. I'm not very far down that road. I'm not very far down the road on learning and understanding, and I'm not very far down the road on responding and obeying. Okay? So this is one of the things I really wanted the Chinese to understand, that when they look at those American students, and I wanted the American students to understand that too. When you're a Christian, that doesn't mean very much, except that you came to finally came to that point of obedience which starts you down a road. It doesn't mean you know very much. Everything, almost everything I believed about God was wrong when I got saved. Um, my obedience was at a level that there was lots and lots of things that God still had yet to bring up for me. So, when you guys look at yourselves as Christians and you look at that lost world out there, understand this. All you are is at the beginning of a road. And then however far you've gone since then. But there's a ton of life ahead of you and all of life is that journey. And when other people look at you, they have to remember that same thing. That it's not like you know everything. It's just that you're on that journey. So, um... Must have just enough battery to reach the end there. So, this is another point I wanted, especially the Americans, to get. You know what? If you only focus on learning and understanding, um, you still end up in a black place. And it's not good. You know what? Yeah, Tyler, if you could just click that for me. There we go. So, you can't focus on just learning and obeying, and sometimes you do that as Christians. 
We just know all there is to know about the Bible, and we're reading all these books, we're listening to all these messages, and we're learning all this stuff, and we're just becoming a, uh, you know, a guy full of knowledge, and we're totally deceived because there's so much in our life that's not true, and it doesn't go where we want to go. And there's also the next route, um, and where you just focus on responding and obeying, and then you're just a Pharisee. It's all about just obeying, obeying, but you're not learning more about God. Your relationship with God isn't growing, and we can click it again, and he's not happy either. And um, but what we need is, and you can just click here for a little while, Tyler, we need our obedience. What we learn moves over, just, yeah, into obedience, and our life just gradually moves forward and forward and forward. And I guess where I, um, and this is where I was going to end for those guys. I think we got one more. I get a little farther. There we go. Um, and uh, and this is what I want to ask you guys as you sit here: Have you made a fundamental decision that Jesus is the answer for you? Have you set your heart there? Or are you just looking for some place to connect at some human level? Because where I want to go is... um, At the core of a Christian community is a group of individuals who have accepted the Bible as a communication from the God who is there. So in other words, um, we believe there is a source of truth. We believe there's something we can be absolutely sure of. And who have also made the personal decision to turn their hearts minds and focus to finding the life within finding life within the will of God. Would you say that that's what is inside you? When life pushes on you, when things get really challenging, when they get really difficult, where do you find yourself? What's down at the bottom? Is there something inside you that said, God is the answer for me. I have made my decision. I have two choices here, the world or God, and I've made my decision. God is my choice. Because one of the things life is really good at bringing us is challenges, difficulties, trials. And everybody has their solution point. What is your solution point? Are you one of those people that has said in your heart, this is it for me? I am going to seek my life in the will of God. And when you do that, Rather than the ways of the world, which is alienated and hostile to him, we will look for it one of two places. A Christian community is what comes into existence when those individuals seek out other like-minded people. If that's your heart, if you go, God is my answer, God is my answer, you know what then fires off in you next? find somebody else that's made this decision. I want to find somebody else that's crossed this line because I really feel like I've crossed the line and I have crossed the line. I want to know who else has done this? Who else has done this? And you seek those people to share Christ-oriented relationship and to desire fellowship in the journey of pursuing the life of God. So, so, if 
we are those people, then when we seek connection, when we seek fellowship, what I'm looking for you, for in you, I'm just not looking for somebody that's fun or somebody that I enjoy being with or somebody I can get something from. I'm looking for somebody that shares this heart. Have you done this? Did you, did you, have, you, have you made this commitment in your heart that's sort of scary and makes you feel sort of vulnerable and like, oh my goodness, I am in this. And I go, I, I want to know, is, is, are you there too? Can we share this? Can I have fellowship with you in this journey? Are we a band of brothers in this commitment to Jesus Christ? That is what the church is supposed to be. People who make that decision and then go, oh my God, I got to find people. I got to share this. I got to be united together in this. And again, I appreciate you brothers leading us in worship. And I just sensed my own heart being called into that. Like, yeah, when are you in the presence of God with these guys? And, um, and, and if that's who you are, and if that's where you're, you are, then I believe that's what God wants to call you together around. Not just, oh, let's come up with some fun activities and do some fun things as singles. And... No. It's that the church should connect us that, that with those kind of people. It should, connect us, it should connect you guys with people like me. You know, old, married, curmudgeon guys. It should connect us all with children. It should connect us all with all kinds of people. But it's also true that there's an empathetic connection we have with people who are standing where we are standing. I can emphasize with older people struggling with issues of age way more than you can. I don't care how nice you are. I can look at them and go, I get it. I got it. And I'm either there or I'm right behind you. And I can love you in a way that that you guys can't. You share things in common. That you can look at one another and go, I got it. I know what you mean. I know where you're at. There's an empathy I can bring to your world that, that, that that old married lady can't bring. And there's a dimension of the church that we can be in our seasons of life, in our places of, of wherever we're living, that, that we can bring in a, in a unique way to one another. And, and so this is what I seek in my life. This is what I want. These are the people that I've gotten to be with, and these are the people I want to continue to be with. Oh, I get a monitor. I want to be in a community that comes into existence when those kind of people that we talked about before are seeking out fellowship, that they want to be a band of brothers, and they want to share Christ-oriented relationship, and that they're looking for fellowship in the journey of pursuing the life of God. Oh, the most exciting things I've ever experienced is running for God with men and women. And that's what, I've, that's what draws me out to kind of really want to, want to facilitate what you guys can do. Because honestly, I mean, I've enjoyed every season of life. But my single years up to age 28 were so rich and so amazing. And I experienced so much. I don't think you can experience it as a married person. And I just want to touch on that. Um, Here's a challenge I want to throw out to all of you here because some of you guys have been in churches forever. Um, uh, I know my son Andrew's been in a church his entire life. Uh, I just would drag him there every time he, you know, he, he had a chance to do anything. Um, and some of you guys have been in similar scenarios. 
raised in a Christian home, always in church. And I think you guys need the opportunity to be challenged like this. And it's to examine yourselves. To see where we are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail a test. I think it's really good and real healthy just for you guys to feel freedom to ask yourselves, am I a believer? Is this true of me? Have I made this choice? Can you intentionally affirm it? Not just, well, I know it's true because I was raised in a Christian home and I got saved when I was, you know, three and a half and so I've been stuck with it ever since then. And to ask yourself, are you in the faith? Is this you? And you need to be given the opportunity to stand up yourself and say, yes, this is me. I decide this. I decide this. I make this choice for me. I own this for me. This is mine. And it's scary and it's vulnerable, but I set my heart and my face to follow Jesus Christ. I've done that many times as a Christian. I've gone back and gone, where am I at with this? There's times where, am I even saved? You know, sin comes into our lives. Am I even saved? I just go back to, this is what I want. This is where I'm at. I stand here. If he will have me, I will not leave. And I think that is the mark of a Christian. Is this what you want? And I want to throw out to you guys, I think Paul threw out to the Corinthians, just that opportunity. Is this you? Maybe somebody handed you this label. This is you. By the way, this is you ever since you were four. No, no, no. Rip it off. Throw it in the trash. I put that label on me. I put that label on me. I'm going to own that. I made that decision. And when we do that, God invites us all into community. Oh, I miss my cool little... Oh, no, that's... Um, we both did that, didn't we, Tyler? That's okay. Just go and push the button. So we just come down. It's just my little animation. Um, but this is all the things, all the other verses. When we talk about creating Christian community, it's not just about like, going to Elitches or something. This is what we get called into. This is all the one another commands. Look at all those things we're supposed to do for one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Submit to one another. I don't think there's any... Um, uh, uh, I try to take out all the duplicates. Every one of those is unique. Wow. So as you guys create community in your church or among yourself with one another and in some kind of a singles uh, a sub, sub-community within that, look at all this stuff. God says we must need all this stuff. We must need this. Because we're all, else we're supposed to bring up one another a bunch of irrelevant stuff. I need all those things. And God says, there is nowhere in your entire life you're going to get it except in a healthy church. How many people hanging out at bars get that stuff? How many people in their college mountain biking group get that stuff? Your humanity needs that. 
And God wants us to create communities within the church and to, for the whole church. But then, obviously, there's groups within a church. There's small groups. There's ministry groups. Um, and, and that's where I think, when I go, what do I want to create? Oh, man, I want to create that. I want to create a place where this is, this is something people go, we're pursuing that. We're pursuing that. We're terrible at it. Because if you're a human being, you're terrible at relationship. It's true things that are true of you as a human being. You are made for a relationship, and it's what you want more than anything else, because you're made in the image of a relational God. And two, you're terrible at it, because you're fallen. And that's true of every human being I've ever known. You desperately want it, and you're horrible and miserable at living it out. And Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how to be who you are. I'll show you how to be who you are. And our humanity is caught up in relational stuff. And this is part of the expression of it. So, that's what I, I want to invite uh, all of us into, and you guys into, in whatever unique context God has you bring it. And, and this is all the places where it says love one another. Each time. So I don't even know how many times that is, but that's how many times we're told to love one another. And I would say that that's one of the really rich things I've experienced in the church is I've had places and seasons and, and times and relationships where I've been surrounded where they go, man, I love you and you love me. And we are in this together. And, and that band, that bond of love is such a profound thing to experience and to foster and to grow. So, here's the one thing that uniquely relates to you guys. I think I might even actually come close to ending on time. First um, Corinthians 7, this is a you guys' verse. Um, and I, I want you to uh, um, just treasure and value this. First Corinthians 7 says, um, because of the present crisis, I think it's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. So there's people obviously back then who said, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, i got to get divorced. And Paul's going, well, you know, just hang on, it'll be okay, you can stay married. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they didn't. Those who are happy as if they weren't. Those who buy something as if it weren't theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. I'd like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be the the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but she so may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And... Um, I do just want to say uh, one thing about how I really hope you guys view your scenario. One thing is true. Not everybody in here, but almost everybody in here who's single wants to be married. I've known people that are single that have never had that desire. and uh, Even they're, they're my age now and have never had the desire to be married. They're very happy single. And, but I haven't known very many people that way. 
There's something inside us that yearns for connection, for companionship. We were made for that. And it is wired into us. And part of that is very healthy and very good. Part of that, um, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't know if I'd say it's misguided. I would just say that there is an ability where it can be a false hope. Because one of the things every human being struggles with is loneliness. But I want you to understand that the loneliest place you'll ever be is in a marriage when things aren't working. The loneliest people are there. So don't think, just like marriage is not escape for other things, marriage is not necessarily an escape for that. Where is our hope? Where is our hope? Where is our hope? It is in the will of God. God will not disappoint us. He will not disappoint us. We will not stand at the end of our life and point our finger at God and say, you know, God, it could have been better. How could he get glory from that? We've got to stand at the end of our life after having followed him, after having chosen to do what he wants us to do and look back and we've got to go, it's glorious, it's amazing, it's incredible. And God goes, that's what I do for people to trust me. How could we ever go, you know, really if I'd done it myself, I think I would have been happier. It cannot be. Don't you trust him that much? Don't you trust him that he's hung his entire glory on his ability to do better with your life than you can? If he can't do better with with my life than I can do, he is not worth following for sure. And he's not that glorious. He's not that amazing. And none of that stuff we sang about has any relevance. We follow him because we believe he's the winner. And he's our winner and he's my winner. That's why we follow him. And I want you guys to, to, to understand that every season of life has its blessings and its richness. Um, and every season has its trials and its challenges. And there's certainly things about being um, single that, are, that have challenges and difficulties. And I remember when I led the singles in, in uh, Ames a number of years ago, Fort Collins a number of years ago. And um, a lot of them were in their 30s and 40s. Um, and people always thought, well, the singles, they have all this time. You know, what do they do with their life? Because I've got to watch my kids all the time and on and on. And, and but as, I, as I led them, I just realized, well, you know what? Um, not only do they go to work every day, but they're also the ones that do take care of the car maintenance every day. And they do whenever it needs to be done. And, and they do their, all the laundry themselves. And they clean the house themselves. And they mow the lawn themselves. And they do everything themselves. So actually, and they manage the finances by themselves. They're actually pretty busy. Life is pretty maxed. And there are unique challenges in every single place. And a lot of times one of the hardest things is is that we're not understood. But the Bible is true. And the Bible says there is something that God does allow that will take you away from your relationship with God. And the one thing he does allow that will take you away from your relationship with God is marriage. That's what this says right here. 
And men and women, can you hear that as we look through history, by far, way out of proportion to their numbers, the great men and women of God have been single. The great world-changing men and women of God have been single because they are the ones who can walk with God in an undivided way. You have an opportunity Martin Luther eventually got married, but the whole Reformation occurred before he got married. And do you recognize that Jesus is calling you to create a community here and to walk with him in your own life in a way that has a uniqueness that is going to go away for you when you do get married, which will happen for a number of you in this room? You're going to lose that. I somehow sensed that when I was single. As a matter of fact, I felt really clearly that God did not want me to get married. Don't get married, don't get married, don't get married, don't get married. Look at what you're doing, look what's going on. Look what you're made of. And then I felt there was a time where God said, John, if you want to keep serving me, you're going to, you need to get married. I was 27 years old. Because I was hanging out with college students and I thought I was just one of them. Hey, I'm just one of you. And they looked at us and looked at me and went, you're not one of us. You're way too old. What are you even doing here? So I recognized I always reached out to my peers. I'd always connected with my peers, and my peers were in a different season of life. And and I had somebody that I was real happy to pursue, and I felt real freedom from God, and that's how that rolled for me. Um, but, and you know what? Of course, I married Carol, who's now Meyer. She was Carol Knox, and I felt for a long time, I'd, I've been in love with her for a long time. And, and you fall in love with lots of people. I'd fall in love with a number of people before that. That's kind of what happens. Uh, it's you just fall in love with people. And you, but a lot of times you can fall in love with somebody and you go, you know, I do not think this is God. I, I just, I don't think it's God, but wow, am I totally whacked out. I am totally whacked out. But I don't think it's God. And um, there was a time I fell in love with Carol and I, and I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to marry this girl. But a number of years went by where we had almost zero relationship and I felt like she's not ready to get married. She's not ready to get married. And, um, and for a long time, she just absolutely didn't even like me. Um, anyway, so God's got a plan for all that. But I would not, and, and, and if I took over the sin, I would never have grown. I would never have the relationship with God that I have. I would never have, I would never have my most precious possession if I did not have my single years. I could not have grown in my relationship with God nearly the same way in my marriage. It's way too complex, way too much going on. It has its own challenges and tests which help you grow, and you grow in different ways there. But there's something, there's something about you and God that's unique in your single years. And God says that right here. Do you see that as precious? Do you see that as precious? And do you want to come together with others that see it as precious and say, let's do something with this. Let's do something with this. Let's do something together. Let's run for God together. And when we get married, it's all going to shut down and it won't work anymore. We'll have to come up with other things and we'll sit around and talk about who's going to watch whose kids. And We don't have to do that now. Let's do what we can do now. And let's do it. 
And that's the heart I want you guys to reach out and grab. God has an amazing life at every single season. Grab this one and go, this will not be taken from me. This will not be taken from me. I will run now. And the power for that is the decision that you made to honor Jesus. He will do good. And I will live my life to find it. And I will push and I will, I, will, I will strive and I will accept all the trials that come down that road because when you accept the trials that come down God's road, there's still lots of trials, but there's a peace and a life in them. When we come into the trials that are not down God's road, it's just yucky and death. Pick your trials well. Take God's. God, give me your problems. Give me your problems. Give me, give me the problems that come from following you. That's what I want. Because there's life in those problems. So, um, if I was single tomorrow, you know, something horrible happened and I was single tomorrow, you know, somebody got killed, in, my wife got killed in a car wreck, there's a part of me that goes, I know exactly how I'm living my life. I know exactly how I'm living my life. There's a, there's a world, there's a place, there's a heart, there's a mind, there's a, there's a way of life for me to go to. And I'm grabbing it. And I want you guys to love that. Believe God has good for you. He is your Savior. And man, does he want, he wants the whole world to look at your life and go, whoa, this guy's got something awesome going on. And by the way, you want to grow a singles ministry? Every single is just looking around for, where's something awesome going on? Where's there something awesome going on? And mostly what they're looking for is something relationally awesome. Where's there, where's there people who, you know, really, like, really connecting with one another? Where's there real friendships? Oh, man. But it's got to be based in that decision. I set my heart. I belong to Christ. I'm going to shove out the world, whatever that means. And I am going to let Jesus influence my heart, my thoughts, and my actions. And if you do that together, you'll have a wild ride and you'll have a good run.